You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, 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 the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Michael on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Falls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I messed that one up. Let's try that again. <laughs> you know, sometimes I get so worked up. I'm like, I got to get, I got to get, you know, really, at first when we started doing this, I didn't realize I had a catchphrase, you know, I was just introduced. In fact, well, I, when I first started doing it, I don't know, I was watching a whole, anyway, let me just do this again. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it now. Hey, 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 buddy. <laughs> that sounds fake. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> hey, not much, man. And, you know, I teased it on the last episode we did together. And I wasn't fooling, man. We got spring in full gear here. We got a spring game this weekend. Mm-hmm. We got about five, six teams to hit on this episode. I know it's uh, March Madness time, but it's never... Not football time on this show, buddy. You ready to uh, get to the news around the league? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane, I got to start here in Columbia. M-I-Z! Because 
Missouri Tigers, man, they're kicking off spring game here on Saturday. They're going to be the first SEC team, the only SEC team, to have a spring game this Saturday. And, man, I'm looking forward to it. They could have probably could have timed it a little bit better with the NCAA tournament and all. That's going to be, you know, the, the main focus of a lot of people. But Missouri fans are going to have something to look forward to this sat this coming Saturday. They got the t- basketball team in the tournament. They got a spring game open yeah. to the fans. But uh, I'm I'm fired up, man. It's been a couple months. I'm eager to see some SEC football. How about you? Absolutely. What cha- now? What, do we, is this going to be on TV? Is going to be streamed live? I'm sure it will be. Right. Well, that's the deal, man. The only one they're putting on TV is Alabama. <laughs> what? I mean, this Saturday when Mizzou's playing, is it because of uh, the, the all the games and stuff, the NCAA games? I have no idea why they made this decision. Mm. Now, it, it is on those. I don't even have this channel. I think some people do, some people don't. The SEC alternate. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens okay. if, if you're like me and you don't have the channel, you just have to go to like ESPN.com and, and you can mm. watch it on your computer or your phone, but... You know, if you oh, got a, if okay. you got a smart TV, you can still broadcast it there. But uh, I still, I don't know, man. There's so I, what you're saying is, if you're poor, you can't watch it. But if you, got, <laughs> if you splurge a little extra each month for the SEC alternate, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so so it can be found. That that's what I'm saying. It's nothing against college basketball. Uh, you know, when when ten, my team plays, yeah, obviously I'll watch and stuff, but. I'd like to I'd like to watch a little Mizzou spring game and if I could find a way to stream it that'd be awesome. Maybe somebody can tweet a link to us because not so maybe possibly what you're saying is cuz the way my TV's set up if I'm watching it on like my ESPN app I can just like mirror to my TV so if I can if I can watch it on my phone uh you know basically what you're saying is EA shit Mike what are you saying is is ESPN going to stream this or yeah, stream, is this going to be like basically I streaming it? only okay 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 that, I can do that I can handle that yeah so it's out there for the fans to to watch and I may even hop on here I don't want to call it an emergency podcast but uh if anything happens or if just my thoughts quick thoughts on the spring game I'd like to do that for each and every one of them. So that may be something we do just because, yeah. man, there's just no one else out there doing this type of stuff. So uh, we'll, ca- we'll call it, we'll call it the urgency podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Hey, before we get to the actual game, got a quick clip here from Eli Drinkowitz because, you know, a lot of, uh, attention paid on that offense and Connor Basilak returning starting quarterback and, They've got some returning running backs. So, you know, Missouri had no issue running the ball last season, but at times passing was an issue. And I've got uh, a couple stats here pinpointed. You know, if you go back to the LSU game, they were chucking it down the field and converting all these big plays. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the entire season, Missouri passed plays of 30 or more yards. They ranked 13th out of 14 in the SEC, so almost dead last, and pass plays of 40 or more yards, 11th in the conference. Now we've added Ohio State transfer Mookie Cooper. He was a former four-star. They signed a high school four-star, Dominique Lovett, and we've got a couple redshirt freshmen, Jay Macklin, Javion Hester, Chance Looper, all in their second year under Drinkowitz. So those are kind of the guys – more than anything, I want to see what these guys have to offer in this offense. 
And that's something uh, Eli Drinkowitz hit on here in his final press conference before the spring game. So let's kick it over to Coach. Eli, you mentioned the receivers and uh, so many young guys in, in these last couple classes. Do you feel like that's the place that, that you've kind of turned over the roster the quickest since you got here in, in these first couple of years? I don't know. I feel like I've turned over quite a bit of the roster, to be honest. Uh, but, yeah, that's definitely a room that's gone under a transformation since we've been here um, and continues to go under a transformation just because we have to continue to improve. Um, we, we, you know, we know how uh, certain defenses are going to play us, and, and we have to win one-on-one matchups, and that's going to be the key. And, you know, we've tried to get more dynamic, more explosive on the perimeter and, and got to continue to do that. Coach, you mentioned a couple of questions already, but just talk to me about this wide receiver group, some of the newer and the older faces acclimating not only to themselves, but also the quarterback play as well. Yeah, I mean, we've we've got some experienced guys returning as far as Kiki Chisholm, Michael Wilson, and Boo um, Smith, but, uh, and, you know, the Barrett Banishers of the world, Toski Doves. Uh, but then we've got the new guys. You know, J.J. Hester was beat up quite a bit last year with his toe, and, and – uh, you know, we got Mookie coming in and Dominic Lovett. So, you know, we're trying to, to maximize those reps. And, you know, during the week, you're trying not to run your wide receivers to death and throw, overthrow your quarterback's arms. So this is really the first time you've really been able to just really get repetition, repetition, repetition at the uh, at the routes and the details. And so uh, it's been good. And, and uh, we got to continue to develop. I mean, we're, we're by no means ready to go play in a game yet. But uh, it's a start, and, and hopefully it's something that the, these guys can carry through um, you know, the months when it's player-led and player-run stuff. All right, Shane, so we kind of hit on some of the guys I just mentioned there, but, you know, that's – you never know what you what you can learn from a spring game or anything like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be very vanilla, but what you can tell is which players have big playmaking ability and have the ability to make people miss in the open field. Those are the type of things I'm going to be looking for, particularly from this uh, Ohio State transfer, Mookie Cooper, and the freshman, Dominique Lovett. I want to see if these guys are ready to contribute right away from Missouri. Absolutely, man. And, I, I mean, one thing about Missouri, you think about years past, there's always been an, an absolute beast on the on the backside, on the defensive side. You know, with Nick going pro, going pro who's, who's the guy that steps up? Who's the ringleader back there? So maybe that's a little bit something I'm going to look at. You know, who's kind of, you know, you, the quarterback of the defensive side of the ball. Um, also, you know, I do want to see some of these wet because I think there's a lot of people sleeping on Mizzou this year. And, you know, uh, but we make fun of the quarterback's name all the time. I get that. But the kid's pretty good, Mike. And how's his development look going into year two, knowing I'm technically his third year, right? But anyway, I I think it's I – th- I just think it's important. You know, I, that's what I'm looking for is just the development of – of him, and I know it's just been a few months since we've seen him, but you know this is a new group. How how are they going to look going into spring or mm-hmm. summer? Yeah, and that is something that uh, Drinkowitz talked about this off season. Maybe you know he put it on himself, but he kind of said it in such a way where he didn't have the trust in Connor Basilak to throw the ball in the red zone. I think he was afraid that uh, there'd be mistakes made by the freshman. So. You know, we're not going to probably learn that in the spring, but that's something heading into next season. We got to see if they're more open to throwing the ball in the red zone. They had Larry Roundtree, who was just a beast last year. He's gone. So they're probably going to have to rely a lot more on the passing game. And and thankfully, that's what Drinkowitz specializes in. You know what? Absolutely. 
All right, next uh, team here, Shane. Kind of some big news here. Let's hop it all down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. With the Tigers. Man, this was kind of surprising here, Shane. Max Johnson <laughs> taking the first team reps, the sophomore quarterback. I think a lot of people thought it would be Miles Brennan. Now, who's taking the first team reps the first day of spring? You know, that just, it's not going to dictate who plays in the fall or anything, but, you know, it's interesting. So let's kick it over to Coach O, who, who hits on that. And at the tail end of his press conference here, he was asked about the pressure he's facing and all this. And, you know, he embraces it, but he, he fully understands that uh, old 5-5 five and five ain't good enough on the bayou. <laughs> Coach Orzon, uh, talk about uh, your approach with the quarterbacks going in the spring. What did you uh, relay to them as far as the competition, how what no. be, what you expected from them, what was their each attitudes, and, and the second yeah. part, what are you expecting with the recruiting dead period, when do you think it's going to end, and what are yeah. you yeah. Yeah. First of all, with the quarterbacks, uh, you know, Max Johnson has taken the first snaps. Uh, he won the last two games for us. Miles Brennan did a tremendous job. T.J. Finley did a tremendous job. So those guys are, are fighting for a quarterback spot. Garrett Nussmeyer looked very good today. I think they took all equal reps. Max took the first reps, and I told him he was going to do that. Uh, but the competition is open. Let the best man win. Yeah, you know, uh, Miles looks looks 100% to me. Now, I don't know if he is, uh, but he's doing everything. Yeah, he's done everything in the fourth quarter. He's running around. He's run some bootlegs today. He looked very good. He threw the ball very well. He's not complaining about anything. He hasn't missed one practice. Eli, Eli Ricks. Eli Ricks, is, is he's out for uh, – he may come towards the end of the spring. He's out right now. Who else we got? That's about it, I think. That's the only guy we have out for the spring right now. Yeah, oh, yeah, injury-related, yes. What, what about the film study of him maybe after the season in addition to the Florida game? Yeah. Well, I know this, Glenn. There's one quarterback that's 2-0 and on campus here, and that's him. And, uh, and my, hey, I got to give it to Miles now. Miles played good. Miles played good enough to win. There's no question about that. TJ against South Carolina had a tremendous game. Uh, Garrett is very capable, so there's no favorite here. You know, I just thought, thought that Max won the last two games. So to keep the continuity, let him take the first snap. Uh, Miles, Miles and those guys have been alternating behind him. But the competition is open and the best man is going to win. I'm going to tell you now, uh, during the fourth quarter, Miles graded elite like three or four times. And uh, so he has worked very hard. He has a great attitude. He's competitive. Let's see what happens. That's cool. Um, uh, Ed, you know, I'm, Scott Woodward earlier this week was – Saying on the radio that you know, you know you'll talk daily and that uh, you understand the, the the expectations at LSU and that five five wasn't good enough. Do you, do you feel any sense of urgency going into this year? And, yeah. I mean, how do you how do you uh, approach that? Yeah, I was born in Louisiana. I understand LSU's expectations. I said this. I said it when I was hired. Nobody has to tell me about LSU's expectations. I know exactly what LSU's expectations are, and I invite them. And I expect that of me and my staff, and we did it two years ago. We had the best football team in the world. But it seems like some people have forgot that, and I understand that. But, you know, 5-5 five and five doesn't cut it. And, you know, there's no excuse. We've got to get better. We do have a lot of guys returning. We do have a lot of starters. But I totally understand the expectations of LSU. I don't need to be told that by anyone. 
Uh, me and Scott have a great relationship. I love LSU, and I want to represent the state of Louisiana the best that I can every day, and I feel like I do that. All right, Shane, so I kind of want to ask you about both of those, but uh, let's stick for now just with that last comment there from Coach O. A little bit of pressure here on the LSU coach. You know, I think he got really lucky that uh, the vast majority of this LSU investigation, all the focus was on Les Miles. Didn't, mm-hmm. didn't sound like, you know, there was much of anything against Coach O, so that's good news for him. But uh, what are your thoughts on a – you know, I don't want to compare him to Gene's Chiswick, but that's what happened to him two years after winning the national title out at Auburn. What are your thoughts on people that uh, think Coach O's on a hot seat here in Baton Rouge? Uh, I, I, I still think it's a little premature, man. I, I know last year didn't go like they expected or wanted, but it just felt like toward the end of the season that did start coming around a little bit. Maybe some of these younger kids emerged. But you're two years removed, like he said, from holding a national championship with the best team in the country. So it, it's tough for me to say, OK, yeah, year three, it's a it's a put up or shut up. I, I still think he's got a little wiggle room, but, you know, he, he definitely. One second. Was that Coach O? No, <laughs> Bruno snuck in. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah, I, I I definitely want to see some more progression, and I think we're going to see that with this crew, and I think he's going to be fine. But I, I, I still think it takes a major disappointment next year to, to really even consider firing Coach O. I, I'm talking like miss a bowl game type of thing, and I just don't see that happening again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing to think – or one thing to consider – you know, a lot of fans always calling for head coach to be fired. We'll see how it works out at Auburn. But, you know, look at Tennessee, man, when they ran off Fulmer. Mm-hmm. And the grass is not always greener that you may think it is. And, you know, maybe even look at Alabama before they hired Nick Saban. I mean, they, they went through about five coaches there that were <laughs> mm-hmm. not up to snuff. You know what I mean? So you know what you're getting in Coach O. Maybe a little bit of a roller coaster, but more often than not, his teams have been solid. They've been competitive damn near every time. Last year obviously wasn't the case. And unless it's a, just a complete disaster, I'm not ready to say he's uh, anywhere should be on the hot seat at this point. No, I, I mean, it, I, I just I just can't see it, man. That other aspect of the, the first of the clip there, Max Johnson taking the first team reps, Coach O points out, kid was 2-0, and including a win in the swamp. I went back and watched that game before we recorded there. You know, the beat number six, Florida, that was – I know Florida had a disastrous end of the season, but up to that point, they were looking like a college football playoff team. Yeah. They were number six in the nation. Guy went in there, led the Tigers to a big win, and then a following win against a red-hot Ole Miss team that I believe won four of their last five games. So, you know, this makes a ton of sense to me. I don't want to call anyone out here, but I did see an article saying, Coach O's got to want Miles Brennan to be the starting quarterback because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't want transfers and all this. That's the worst thing you could possibly say in a situation like this. LSU is in a spot, they're in rare spot, you know, with the Alabamas, with the Georgias, with the Clemsons where every year they're bringing in elite talent. 
Right. And if you start making depth chart decisions to make this guy happy or that guy happy or not have transfers, it's all going to blow up on you. Mm -hmm. You know, look at what happened to Jalen Hurts at Alabama. I mean, as good as he was, we had someone better. And we had to pull the trigger at halftime, and it led to a national championship. What happened when Trevor Lawrence got in there at Clemson? Did they – Say, well, hell, Kelly Bryant's paid his dues. He's a senior. <laughs> no, hell no. They pulled the trigger because they had someone better. And I'm not sitting here saying that Max Johnson's the next Tua or, or Trevor Lawrence, but he looked pretty damn good. And mm-hmm. I like what Coach O's saying here. He's earned this role. Miles Brennan, for as long as he's waited, yes, he looked good at, at times last year, but, hell, the team was losing these games he was looking good at. So, Make Miles Brennan beat him. Yeah. And the team will respond to that. And, and if he doesn't, then they they roll with Max Johnson or TJ Finley, or he, he even mentions the, the true freshman Garrett Nussmeyer. So that's LSU's at that level where they've got talent mm-hmm. across the board. You just can't be making decisions to make people happy. You got to play the best guy. I, I just couldn't disagree. I couldn't disagree more with saying Miles Brennan's got to be the guy to make people happy. Well, it makes Shane happy because if I see Brad Johnson. <laughs> Fan cam, one more time. <laughs> oh man, I, yeah, I forgot about that. I'm, I'm surprised old That's Brad didn't show downside. up at the press conference. You know, <laughs> that's the only downside. So, uh, no, I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head. Competitive competition—that's what you want. And these players, I mean, you, you you may do something for the fans, but in the locker room, that's that's where this team's created. And and I think you do that by competitive competition and and make you earn it, man. That just. That just helps. That bodes well with everybody else on the team, too, that every position is open. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, next uh, let's hop it all down to the Plains. War damn eagle. Where we got old Bo Nix, man. I know Brian Harson don't want to talk about his quarterbacks and <laughs> who's leading the depth chart and all that. But, uh, you know, the fate of this season probably rests. You don't want to put too much on him. That's a little too going too far, but. I don't think there's a viable option behind Bo Nix. So it almost feels a little bit like Jarrett Garantano we're getting into, you know, that type of situation at Auburn where I know they got Tank Bigsby, but the offensive line is kind of being rebuilt. The receiving core is being built. So mm-hmm. it's going to be on Tank. It's going to be on Bo. And if they can't get something out of them, Honestly, I think that says more about Bo Nix than it does the coaches because if you look at the track record of Mike Bobo and Brian Harson, I know South Carolina fans rolling their eyes right now, but <laughs> outside of last season, I mean, it, it's a pretty strong track record overall. I don't know. So this this is just a weird spot to be in because I don't think Auburn's got a backup plan here. And, and how much pressure do you think is on Bo Nix heading into, which will be his fourth season with a new offensive coordinator here at Auburn this year? No, I think it's huge, man, because, you know, years past, Gus Malzahn was our scapegoat. He was the guy we were blaming for the development issues of Bo Nix. Now he's got somebody. And, and, and say what you want about South Carolina. There was times last year South Carolina offense looked pretty damn good. It's mm-hmm. just they were depleted, man. They just didn't mm-hmm. have anything in in the cupboard. So, uh, that's a that's a, a little bit different situation down here at Auburn. So yeah, I think there's I think there's a little bit more pressure this year than than any year it's passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's kick it over to Bo, who's, who talks about that. 
discuss his plan for uh, Brian Harson and Mike Bobo. And then, uh, I don't want to pile on him here, but he kind of compared himself to Jesus here, Shane. Oh, God. No. Hey, Bo, talk about the, uh, the relationship now that it's been a little bit of time with, with coaches uh, Harson and Bobo. And then, uh, as, as a follow-up, just how do, re- how do you react to the, uh, the doubters, the skeptics that uh, you know, think they've seen the best of Bo Nix? Oh, well, your first question, Coach Harson and Coach Bobo. Um, I've really enjoyed getting to know those guys and what they uh, bring to the table as far as being coaches. And um, they've coached in many different situations, many different conferences. And so um, they've been around college football and they know exactly what it's about. Um, Coach Harson, obviously, all his success at Boise and um, everything he was able to do with that program. And then Coach Bobo with everything um, he's been able to do from an offensive standpoint and all the quarterbacks that he's been able to coach and so just being able to um, learn from them is is I'm going to really enjoy I know moving forward and especially this offseason as we didn't have so much recruiting and they didn't have to go out so much I could really kind of be around them more often than probably normal Um, but as far as your second question um, there's really nothing you can do about it to be honest with you Um, everyone's always going to have something to say um, positive or negative um, one thing that always just sticks out to me is um, even going to the cross, Jesus had people talking bad about him. So um, if they were talking about him, then they're going to consistently talk bad about me. That's for sure. Um, but like I said, there's nothing you can do but just continue to work and put my head down and um, do what I'm supposed to do and um, just do whatever I can to make my team better. Uh, talking about Coach Harson and Coach Bobo, two guys that played quarterback and obviously have experience coaching quarterbacks. Just what did you sort of know about them before they came on here at Auburn, and, and how exciting is it to know that those are two guys with a lot of experience in quarterback? Well, they've had a lot of experience, and they've also had a lot of success. When you look at Coach Harson, um, he's coached some good quarterbacks, and, and they have done a really good job in his system. Um, and he has won a bunch of games, and I think that speaks to his leadership um, and him being a head coach and just his how he wins, and I think that's important. And then Coach Bubba, on the other hand, he's been through, um, I mean, obviously his time at Georgia, he had some really good quarterbacks and um, produced some good offenses, and he's very multiple, um, both of them, they're very multiple, and so I'm excited to learn different things, um, maybe try some different things, and at the end of the day, they'll put me in a great situation. Um, and I'm confident of that. All right. So, <laughs> man, Alabama, Georgia fans, they had fun with that comment there. But I see what he's saying, so I'm not going to give him too hard of a time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think he felt that metaphor was going to go a little bit different when it came out. You know what I'm saying? I do that all the time, seriously. I mean, you should see the editing that Mike has to do on these podcasts. <laughs> So I don't blame him, but yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to work on that. This isn't a guy that's you know not had a mic in his face in a while either. You know, so he should he should be a little bit more veteran than that. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, speaking of Bobo, let's kick it over Dave to Columbia because the Gamecock Shane they're kicking off spring practice this weekend, starting on Saturday. The Shane Beamer era. And optimism is high. And, you know, I've been down on the Gamecocks, but, uh, you know, talking to some of these people that I've spoken to at South Carolina, they've got me re-energized, re-enthused here. We're going to have a new roster, tons of transfers, JUCOs. The, the signing class wasn't necessarily great, but 
that's because they knew they were going to be adding transfers and, and JUCOs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yep. this will be an interesting team next season, Shane. And, uh, you know, this is the beauty of the transfer portal. I know a lot of people don't like it, but we may find out real quick in Columbia if maybe this is a, you know, instead of going the junior college route like you used to do, now you can go to that transfer portal. You can add mm-hmm. players that are experienced in college football, remake your roster one off season essentially. So there's a lot to like about this South Carolina team. We were, you know, you were talking about the success Mike Bobo had. A lot of that had to do with Kevin Harris, the running back, and they got Marshawn Lloyd. Looks like he may be even good to go in the spring. So if they can run the ball, if they can get a competitive defense, I'd, their defensive coordinator was probably the best hire they made this off season. Mm-hmm. You know, the Gamecocks, and they've got some winnable games coming out the gate too. So, uh, I mean, this could be a little bit of a intriguing team here, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, a couple of games, but then it ramps up real quick, Mike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? I mean, South Carolina, that's one thing uh, Coach is going to talk about here in a minute, especially with uh, hammering out the quarterback situation. I just think it's important that they, you know, that they get that knocked out in the spring so that they're prepared during fall. So, you know, you have a leader – over summer, you know, working with this new crew, working with this new offense. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of pieces in play here. And, and something that some of these other coaches didn't have the ability to do last year because of COVID, you know, that's, a, that's an added benefit here, you know, for Beamer is that we do have spring to work out some kinks. So this is a, I don't, I mean, you think about it, all the, all the, you know, I don't know, it's like spring practices of the SEC, Mm-hmm. One of the most important ones is right here in Columbia, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. And it sounds like they're holding out hope Marshawn Lloyd could play possibly by the end of it. So we'll see. So let's kick it over to Coach Beamer who hits on that. And then uh, kind of the, the better, the best quotes he had, I thought he, he spoke for about 45 minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and I thought this was the best one, talking about the quarterback competition, when he looks for that to a decision to be made and, and what all he's looking for in there. So uh, let's kick it over to Shane Beamer. First of all, Marshawn Lloyd, what does, does his progression look like he participates in the spring game or is that not a possibility? Is he going to be more limited than that? How, where is he on that spectrum? I think we're so far away from the spring game. It would be hard to say yay or nay on him right now when something is, you know, over a month away. But I can tell you this. I mean, he's been fantastic uh, this offseason. I was just telling him a couple of days ago how impressed I am with him. I mean, you talk about a – I mean, we track everything here as any program does. But – but just, uh, you know, giving our guys kind of a score each week of taking care of their business, not just in this building, but outside this building. And, and he's right up there at the very top of our team as far as accountability goes, just being everywhere that he's supposed to be, when he's supposed to be there, whether it be meetings, walkthroughs, class, treatment, nutrition. I mean, he's doing everything right uh, right now. So he is certainly – uh, on track and has been out there for all of our stuff that we've been doing as a team uh, at night in a limited limited capacity and and uh, you know excited to watch him continue to progress. And secondly, on quarterbacks, do you enter the spring with Luke Doty as your returning starter and coming at the position, or do you enter with a clean slate there? And how do you break up the reps? 
No, I think every single position is a clean slate. I mean, we weren't here last year, and we got a lot of new faces. And and I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've spent like zero time talking with our staff about, uh, okay, this guy's the returning starter at this position. I mean, it's wide open for everybody. One of the core values of this program is competition, and we're going to be about competition every single day. So the fact that uh, Luke Doty is the only quarterback that we have in the building that has started a game at Carolina, and uh, there's four in that room uh, with Jason Colton and Connor, and, and two of those guys just got here in January. Yeah, I would imagine that Luke Doty is going to go out there with the first offense on Saturday morning and take the first rep with the first offense. Uh, and then after that, it's wide open competition. So Coach Satterfield and I have spent a lot of time talking about reps and, and how we're rotating guys and and we're going to practice at a pace on Saturday uh, that we're going to get a lot of reps done in practice uh, from start to finish so those guys will have plenty of opportunities to uh, to show what they can do not just at the quarterback position but but at every single position that we have on the team you have a philosophical thought about when you need to have a starting quarterback in, in theory. Would you like to have a guy who is who you have the starter at the end of spring so that you can go through the offseason with a kind of a bell cow, or does that not matter? No, I think it's uh, always good when you can. Uh, certainly as you headed to summer workouts and the team knows that, okay, this guy's our starting quarterback and, and to empower him with that leadership ability, sure. Uh, but, you know, I think back to – Georgia 2016 I think uh Grayson Lambert was our quarterback over there and then he was the starting quarterback all offseason and and then uh Jacob Beeson took over shortly thereafter and then 2017 Jacob Beeson was our quarterback and Jake Fromm took over after Jacob got hurt I look at my experience at Oklahoma with Lincoln and and I mean, we had a quarterback competition, as crazy as it sounds. We had a quarterback competition with Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray and then Austin Kendall from up the road in Charlotte that, that uh, ended up transferring to West Virginia. That was a competition where Lincoln didn't announce a starting quarterback uh, until literally, I think, a week before or 10 days before the first game. So certainly as you get within about a week and a half of the first game, you better have a starting quarterback name just so you can divvy up the reps properly and things like that. But I've been a part of every end of the spectrum where you've got a returning quarterback and he's the starter all season to you have a quarterback and he ends up getting beat out to you have a competition that's not announced until uh, a week before the first game. So I've seen it all work. But, yeah, I, ideally – You'd have a guy, but again, I mean, after spring practice ends, we're pretty solidified on roles, but we're constantly competing because there's a whole, you know, preseason camp at all those positions as well. And I think you should wrap Lloyd in bubble wrap and release him on September 4th. I don't <laughs> think he should come out there in the spring, man. Hey, that's a great point, but, um, you know, I think there's a, there is a fine line. I certainly, I, I'm firmly in the camp you are right there, but at the same time, it's almost like, I think they just want to reward the kid for just busting oh, yeah. his ass to get back, and he probably is in shape to play. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's kind of it's one of those where you want him to keep working hard and give him some extra motivation to give it his all all summer, getting into fall camp. But as nice as that sounds, yeah, right there, because the last <laughs> thing you need is another injury, and uh, the more time you can rest and rehab – the less likely mm -hmm. that's going to happen. So interesting. I certainly hope we get to see him uh, in the spring game, if not fully understand. And I, I think he's going to be the breakout candidate. 
in the SEC next fall. But, uh, you know, interesting uh, that, that Beamer also, when he's talking about the quarterbacks, he referenced his days at Georgia just about how now, mm-hmm. maybe this says a little bit more about Kirby and, and his indecisiveness <laughs> picking a quarterback, but I thought it was interesting how he pointed out, well, this one year we went in with this guy, we came out with the other guy, and then the next year we did the same thing. And uh, so it doesn't sound like they're in any kind of rush to name a quarterback at South Carolina. No, but I still think you should because I can't remember Georgia winning a national championship during that time frame either, you know. They, right. And they had a roster to do it or at least compete for it. So, but that's that's apples and oranges, man. South Carolina, I you know, I, I think I kind of contradict myself there. If Lloyd's ready, I think you need to get him in there, get him, you know, get him acclimated with the offense and and uh, because he's going to be such a focal piece of it moving forward. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, uh, let's kick it on down next to old Nashville. Take it down. Clark Lee, man, they started spring this week, too. Mm-hmm. Like I said, man, these camps are firing up all around the SEC. Something maybe you should have mentioned where there was Shane Beamer, but you could apply it to Clark Lee, too. This is the first time these guys are going through an actual spring practice where they're the head coach. Yeah. And they're not just looking at a single position group or players or even a side of the ball. They got to monitor not only the entire thing on the field, but uh, Clark Lee was talking about there was buzzers going off at certain times. He's like, I got to get that corrected. I mean, I cannot imagine how many things are on his checklist going into his first ever spring as a head coach. But uh, I don't know. I guess basically what I'm just trying to say is there's a huge learning curve and just thankful that this year, these first-year coaches get to go through this spring, get kind of that out of the way to where fall training camp opens up, they'll be more acclimated to the season that we didn't mm-hmm. get last year. You know, I, th- I think that could pay big dividends for a lot of these first-year coaches. What do you think? Dude, I can't imagine. I mean, it's easy to sit back and say, yeah, I'd, I'd be a head coach, but – to have, especially in spring game, you got all these new kids, new place, new coaches on your staff and stuff like that. When you come from a, a school like Notre Dame, you know, I'm sure things were were like meticulous, you know, with, with Coach Kelly up there. And then now you're doing your own thing. I, I remember Coach Pittman last year talking about that, you know. He's been around a lot of great head coaches, but it's the first time you're doing it. You know, it's, it's almost like he's – growing a little bit during the spring just like these kids so uh i'm sure he'll get it down pat but um yeah i I bet this is a little bit overwhelming i bet he's getting no sleep mike Uh, absolutely no sleep (laughs) he's got he's got sticky notes and charts all over the place he's like memento in there (laughs) (laughs) all right well let's kick it over to coach lee who talks about uh you know adjusting to running his first practice as a head coach and then interesting I had to play this clip on why Vanderbilt's players do not have numbers on their jerseys. My God, could you imagine reviewing the film from these practices, Shane? But uh, let's kick it over to Coach. On the first day, you've been head coach now for, you know, some period of time. But when you have your first practice, you know, apart from all the preparation you've been doing, how much is the adjustment? I mean, you've been a position coach, you've been a coordinator, but to be head coach, uh, you know, there's not exactly a rule book or a guidebook. I'm thinking, how do you, you know, what did you do to prepare for this first day and, and how different did it feel not knowing that you had to go out work with linebackers specifically. And that was your only job today. 
Well, you know, I knew this would be different. I knew it would feel different for me. I think when you when you're responsible for a unit, a position group, you have such a um, a narrow focus when you take the practice field. They're just very specific things you want to accomplish. Um, you know, for me, this is about just taking a a really broad look at the program, how the program functions, how it transitions. I, you know, um, you putting my eyes on every position group and individual to make sure. Um, you know, we're doing the things we need to do in our drill work to be the developmental program that we want to be. That stuff's fun and energizing. And I think for me, it's just, it's just, um, I keep an eye on every aspect of the program, how we practice, how we communicate with each other, all the things that we've talked about to this point, it's just monitoring those in kind of a, you know, live action drills, right? We're actually getting a chance to see how this team interacts with itself, both the coaches to players, players to players, players to coaches. And, um, you know, my responsibility is to monitor that, make sure that it's both running smoothly, but also uh, representative of the program we want to build. And so I, I had a lot of fun doing that today. I think it was, um, you know, I'll, I'll continue to, to like learn more about my role and continue to grow into this role. But I'm pretty comfortable with what uh, I'm going to need to do and, and um, felt like was able to do that to a certain level of success today. And uh, no numbers, no jersey numbers today. Just what, what was the philosophy behind that and when will that change? We're going to earn everything in this program. And, you know, until we understand that, you know, we rent those numbers, we don't own them until we're ready to, to work within them, to leave them better for the next person to wear them. Um, you know, that, that'll come. I don't want to put a timeline on it. You know, we're, we're monitoring just the, the manner in which our players occupy the spaces within this program and on our campus. And, um, and, and that'll also not come all at once, right? This will, this will be according to each individual and their commitment level to moving this program forward. But um, the biggest thing for me is, you know, we want to strip down all the extraneous right now and just focus on how we're building this team together. And, um, and the, the rest of it will come with time. All right, Shane, I'll probably get a surprise you here because we kind of, at least I did, if I recall. I kind of went in on Chad Morris for doing something similar. If you remember, yeah. he had him in the sweats. That's the first thing I thought of when I heard this clip, man. I was thinking of Coach Morris in the sweats. Now, here's the difference, though, Shane. Clark Lee's going into year one. Chad Morris was going into year two, if I recall. Got in the sweats on the guys into year two. That just tells me he did a poor job year one. Mm-hmm. And at least Vanderbilt, they're giving him freaking jerseys i mean <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and here's one other thing i mean so the clark lee is a vanderbilt guy just came from tradition rich notre dame here's the thing about being a vanderbilt player shane and you know he's talking about you got to earn everything and uh you know we want there to be pride behind that vanderbilt name mm-hmm. and the truth of the matter is there's none there is no pride there and I like that he's doing this because I think he's trying to build that. He's trying to restore it. This is a rebuild. Hell, we just went 0-9 in the SEC play, first time ever. Mm-hmm. Winless season. He's trying to just make it uh, you know, to where Vanderbilt's not a laughing stock, man. And I think it's the first step in the process. Even the guys on your team, you got to let them know. It ain't like it was under Derek Mason where right. we're going to go six years and not – have a damn winning record. We're going to, we expect bowls. It's not going to be a surprise when we make a bowl. We expect to beat Tennessee. We expect to compete in the East. 
and maybe I'm just buying into the to the mojo here, <laughs> but uh, that's kind of my read on this, and that's that's why I kind of like it from a first year head coach going into a new program that really needs a boost in you know their self worth. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I I think he's saying all the right things, Mike. Uh, I, I love the saying, you don't own the number, you rent it. So I, I get that. So um, just got to get this young team to buy in. And if they buy into a young coach, who knows? I mean, the sky's the limit. And uh, But I think a team like Vanderbilt needs to do it as a group. You know, this this isn't Alabama where you've got uh, every, every athlete on the teams of four or five-star athlete. You know, this is a – this is similar to some of these other universities like Arkansas and Kentucky right now, where, you know, they, they've just got some, some great seniority. They got great leadership and they're bringing the young kids along and working together as a group. And that's why they're productive. So that's, that's what Vanderbilt has to have. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Well, that's all I got on this episode, getting fired up for this Missouri <laughs> spring football game. You know, I, I assume everybody's out there. Even us, man, we're not huge basketball guys, but we're still going to be watching the NCAA tournament. So there's a lot going on this weekend, man. It's going to be an exciting, exciting time. I know we got six SEC teams playing in the tournament. So hopefully we got a 6-0 and start to the tournament. But uh, you got anything before we help off here? No, I love it, man. This, is a, this isn't my favorite time of the year, but it's pretty damn close, Mike. So sports is on the tube. We got football going on. We're going to have spring games here soon. So I'm just glad everybody was able to join, jump on with us. And uh, I just hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Absolutely. And if you made it this far, don't forget, leave us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app and let us know about it at that secpodcast at gmail.com we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for giving us that rating and review and don't forget to check out mybookie.ag promo code that sec if you're going to gamble on the tournament you might as well double your money there at, at my bookie so hey that's all i got shane thanks for joining me as always thanks everybody for tuning in catch you on the next one all right see you guys go balls